We begin by acknowledging that the land on which we record this podcast is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabeg peoples. This territory is covered by the Upper Canada Treaties. We acknowledge the enduring presence of First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people on this land, and that not all settlers were brought here by choice. We believe it is important to move forward in the spirit of reconciliation, compassion, and respect. I'm Kimberly McKenzie. And I'm Paul Nazareth. Welcome to The Intersection. Today we are thrilled to welcome philanthropist and nature lover Dr. Isabel Ralston to The Hub. In 2017, after exiting their respective careers, Isabel and her partner, Dr. Jan Autonas, created the Maple Cross Fund. This fund was created to invest in and protect ecologically sensitive land in Canada. Their investments have truly had staggering results and have helped protect over 24,000 acres of nature in Canada to date. Today, Isabel and I talk about the Maple Cross Fund's philanthropic strategy, how to approach and work with major donors, how they decide who to support, and we even touch on what she thinks about administration expenses. The conversation is warm, authentic, and candid, just like Isabel, so please join me in welcoming her to the hub. Isabel, welcome to the hub. Thank you, Kimberly. It's great to see you again and to to be invited on this interesting uh, program. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, you and I have done a little bit of work together. And um, as you know, in the charitable sector, we talk a lot about donors, but we don't talk with donors in platforms like this very often. So I'm very grateful that you're here today. My pleasure. So can you just tell me uh, a little bit about your journey into philanthropy? How did you end up here? Well, it's a pretty recent journey. In 2017, my partner Jan Audinus uh, sold his business. And uh, as a result, uh, you know, Canada has been very good to us. Business has been very good to us. And as a result, uh, we found ourselves in a situation where we had to do something with, with our good fortune. Uh, we don't have children, so that wasn't an issue about leaving any uh, money to, to particular individuals. And so we decided to look into the, um, we thought, well, how are we going to invest our money to mm-hmm. make it work for the general good? And that's when we came, uh, we started to look at various charities and we found, quite frankly, that certain charities uh, seem to be well-funded and have a lot of interest, but the environmental area we found to be uh, very lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always enjoyed uh, very much our hiking experiences when we lived in Western Canada, our canoeing experiences on, in Ontario. And we decided that to look towards somehow saving land for the future and to be able to invest in protecting nature in some way. And that's how we became involved in this particular sector. Um, Do you want to tell me about the owl story? Oh, (laughs) well, that's, uh, yes, of course. I guess I had mentioned that to you many years ago. Well, I was working, uh, we lived beside a a golf course and uh, they were taking down a fair number of trees and weren't included in the local 
um, municipal bylaw and they were allowed to take as many down as they, they could. I kind of fought the, the fact that they were taking down these numbers of trees, but lost that battle. And one day the, the big crews came in in the middle of January to start taking down hundreds of, of very large trees very close to our property. And the very first day that they started, for some reason, um, Sue Walmer, who is the chief executive officer of the Oak Ridge Marine Land Trust, uh, came by because she had, I had met her in this fight and became acquainted with her. And she came by, just happened that day when they started to take down the trees. She said, I'll come by for coffee. And just as we went out and they started to take down the trees, we noticed this big barred owl sitting on a branch by itself. And uh, um, we realized that it had been fleeing in the middle of the day, the, the saws who were probably interrupting its, its home. And uh, so from that point on, um, you know, Sue and I became uh, quite acquainted with each other. I got to know more about her land trust. And that's really the first step towards, um, you know, donating to the land trust community. And it was uh, through the Oak Ridge Marine Land Trust that uh, we made our first donation. Started it all. It started it all. And now um, you're going to laugh at me when I tell you this. So today I was on the Maple Cross Foundation's website, which is the private foundation that you and Jan have created. Um, and I pulled out my calculator to add up all of the 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 amount of acres for uh, all of the properties that you have protected um and then i realized i didn't need to add it up because you have it right there at the top of the list so it's you've protected 11,033 acres of naturalized area in canada well we haven't done it alone i mean it's through our donations that that amount of land has been protected but it's not we don't give a donation that necessarily covers for every property, uh, the total value of the property. Uh, but we help, uh, we help with those 11,000 acres. But I'm happy to report to you today because our work doesn't finish. It's my job to, to always update the website. And I'm not very good at that always. But uh, right now, as we speak, uh, it is now up to 24,000. Wow. <laughs> So we have a few other properties uh, that we've helped uh, uh, to, to protect. But again, I'd like to, to say that, you know, our donations aren't 100% for any one particular property. Uh, you know, part of what we like to do is, is leverage our activities so that um, quite often uh, we'll suggest to a, 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 a nature trust or a land conservancy that we would like to have a, a matching fund, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that quite often brings in um, a lot of additional uh, revenue uh, for a project. And we like to do that. The leveraging is, mm -hmm. is actually very important to us. So we want to make sure that it's not just us who's involved in protecting a, a particular uh, project, but we might like to try to involve the local community and even the federal government in, in providing funds uh, to help out these these to help out the mission of, of moving land protection ahead. I think it's really incredible how you um, are a catalyst for bringing other folks to the table to invest in environmental and specifically land protection initiatives. It 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 really does help lift the tide for everybody, doesn't it? 
We hope so. Um, you know, some of what we do, uh, it'll remain to be seen. But so far, uh, we have found that there's been a good response. Um, uh, recently, we, and of course, I think I've talked with you, Kimberly, before about the fact that we're, we like to look as Canada as our backyard, not just our backyard in a little part of Ontario, but we look across the country. And um, with one property that we had uh, helped invest in in Saskatchewan, we were very, with a matching fund, it was kind of interesting to find out people's responses. And one woman I know, um, her husband, uh, her husband's family has a farm in Saskatchewan. And she says, my parents were going out or my my um, my husband's parents were were leaving and listening to the car radio and heard that there was an Ontario couple donating to this project, so they decided to make a donation. I don't know these people, but I think it was just great to hear that. Just that's hear a really that. wonderful example that you set, and I think it's worthy of note that um, neither you or Jan were born in Canada, right? Well, that's true. Uh, Jan Audinus, who's 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 my, my life partner has been for over 40 years. Uh, we met at the University of Alberta where we were both studying and he uh, came out at that time in his early twenties uh, to Canada, to Edmonton to study. Um, and he came from, did I say the Netherlands? I can't remember. Oh, I said. Um, thank you. <laughs> Short-term <laughs> memory, but anyway. Uh, and then I was, but of course, I was born in, in the UK when I was very, very young. And uh, of course, I was born when I was young, but when I was very young, we came to, to Canada. <laughs> I was three years old when we came to Ontario. And, uh, and that's where I grew up in London, Ontario. Well, I think that that, your philanthropy and your example uh, really does demonstrate. Uh, uh, I'm worried. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to say this properly, but but the value of newcomers to Canada, and the contribution that you can make when you build a life here, and one of the things that I also think is incredible about your philanthropy is that national perspective, and you're really not in it for protecting the, all those trees near your home that we sadly lost, but you responded, um, your response to that tragedy was to protect as much of our beautiful country and nature as, as you can. Um, so. Well, I think that, that what you say about you coming to the country, I absolutely agree uh, with you on that. And, and, you know, everybody makes a contribution whatever way they can. I think that Jan who came in his twenties and ended up, um, you know, getting educated here. I mean, this country has been very good to us too. You've got to remember that. Gave us help, give us our education. And uh, and from there, where we both got our PhDs in chemistry, uh, Jan was able to build up not one, but several businesses in the pharmaceutical um, area for active pharmaceutical ingredients. And um, in doing so, you know, the, the biggest pleasure, I think, that both of us had in our careers, I were also worked in the pharmaceutical industry, but in a different area again. Um, but what gave us both a great deal of pleasure was the fact that, you know, you would see companies grow and you would have all these employees and you would say, you know, you'd think about the employees and the families, you'd meet them at a party, a, you know, a New Year's party or whatever, or the summer party. And you, you would just be so impressed at, you know, the weight of, of, of not only just carrying a business, but 
the people whose livelihood depended on it. And so I'm very proud of the fact, especially that, well, Jan and, and I both, but especially Jan, did manage to create very good employment for, for a lot of individuals as well and help keep the economy of Canada going. And uh, of course, then we were very fortunate uh, to move our next careers into the, the land conservancy. And so here we are. Here we are. So so we, we understand the mission of Maple Cross to protect and restore Canada's natural environment by supporting land conservation organizations. Um, but you've also been able to wade into the area of being a philanthropist in general and dealing with charities. And, um, and I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts around as a businesswoman, an accomplished businesswoman, um, do you have any insights or thoughts around what it's like to work with charities or the charitable sector in general? How do you think we're doing? Wow, that's a really I know. Question. <laughs> I you, Kimberly, to come you up can with handle the question. it, Isabel. You can handle it. We really want to know. What was the question again? <laughs> what do you think about charities and how we operate? Well, I would say that in general, um, you know, we've we, we've had an excellent relationship with the various charities. We've worked now with about eight or. Or, or 10 or so across Canada. And we're up, we're beginning to expand a little bit uh, internationally as well for very specific reasons. But our, our main focus, of course, is Canada. And of course, we've given to a few other local charities and, and, and whatever. I would say that um, the, the, I think a lot of charities are able to, you know, get funding and are doing very well. I would say the, Land Conservancy or the, the, the Land Trust uh, or Nature Trust, however, you know, they all have different names. Um, it's a struggle for a lot of the, the smaller ones. And I think that um, in general, I feel that they, the impetus is they've all got very good intentions. And I think have the, the movement is moving in the, in the right way. Um, but I think that we need both large and small land trusts, and we have them in Canada. We have the large ones and we have the smaller ones. I think there really is a place for both uh, because there is a slightly different focus and, and we need to have both. Um, I would like to see, and I think recently we've seen certainly with the federal government, um, with the NHCP program, um, and, you know, the 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 impetus to have 25% of the land protected by 2025, um, our, our federal commitments there, and I hope and I think are going to be expanded. Um, I think they've done quite well in, in helping uh, the land trusts uh, through the various funding um, uh, programs. But I really think we need to have more. And I think we need to have more, especially for the smaller land trusts. There just isn't enough federal funding going around to help them. It's been very good until so far, and it's really helped. I'm not saying that, but I would really like to put out a call to have more funding uh, for the uh, more government funding, not just the federal, but all the provincial ones as well. And they're quite different. Some provinces are, are quite good at, at, uh, at providing funds as well. But I think we really, as a society, have to recognize how important these, these nature is and, and why we should be doing this. And so I think that 
we could do be, be doing more from a governmental standpoint. The charities themselves, I know, I see so many dedicated people who are working so hard, but until you get that funding, it's a really, it's a tough go. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another provocative question. I don't even actually know how you're going to answer it. Oh, <laughs> what do you don't think? About, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts about investing in the people and the administration and the infrastructure of organizations? What sort of framework does your foundation have in place for supporting the people who on the ground who make this work happen? Well, um, certainly uh, it depends on the organization. And I think that uh, a number of the the charities are certainly looking to have uh, very sort of unrestricted funding coming their way. That's how they would like to, to handle things and have the unrestricted funding. And certainly, uh, some of the charities would have very have had very good campaigns along those those lines. Um, Maple Cross, which is our our fund, um, we want the uh, the money to that that we're providing to support. Uh, we we provide our funds to the land trust to buy a specific pr- uh, property. So we rely on ecologists, we have our own consultant, and we also rely on the, the expertise of the land trust to suggest whatever property um, that would be. But that being said, we also recognize how important stewardship is. So when we calculate how much we want to support a particular project, mm-hmm. we calculate in not just the cost of buying that particular sensitive property that needs to be protected, but we also add a percentage towards the stewardship of that, of that land. And so we are very happy to provide funding for the larger cost, mm-hmm. which includes stewardship as well. And um, in certain cases, in certain situations, um, you know, there have been cases where, where we have, have wanted to provide a particular fund for a particular individual to be hired to help out a particular um, uh, land trust. And, and we look at that as well, but that's, that's more rare. I mean, we look at more providing the fundings towards stewardship of a particular project or indeed uh, for for any of their projects within that land trust, right? Did I answer your question? Is that yeah? It, 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 yeah, the answer is it depends. I think it depends <laughs> on the property, but also I know personally from our work together that it depends on the organization. So if they don't have the manpower to be able to deliver the matching funds, then you're willing to have that conversation. Um, and and I think we need to also for those who don't work in the land trust movement who may be listening to this, for people who work in the charitable sector, the idea of stewardship often comes down to taking care of donors or customer service. But what you're talking about is once an organization is able to purchase a large piece of land and turn it into a protected area, they are responsible in perpetuity for being able to take care of that land. And so you, um, allocate a a sort of an endowment to be able to do that for that property. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and the land uh, trusts have been very good at calculating the approximate amount and it it ranges. There's a slight difference amongst the the land trust, but there's a certain percentage uh, that we should be paying. I mean, it's, 
you know, it's absolutely essential because the land just doesn't take care of itself. It needs to be protected and, uh, you know, protected from invasive species taken out, uh, um, you know, preventing people from coming with ATVs and running through a particular property or whatever. Um, in some cases, if there's a trail, there might be an opportunity there, but in most cases yeah. not. So again, it depends on the particular uh, property. So when I hear you talk about how passionate you are about the conservation movement and the work that you do, Maple Cross is about so much more than just cutting a check. Can you tell us a little bit about how you work with your organizations? Well, when we decided to, to uh, we started off locally, uh, as, you, as you know, and, and we were looking at our own backyard. And then we decided, you know, that we didn't like provincialism. And so we really wanted to look broadly across this beautiful country of ours. And um, so uh, we... I forget, what was the question again? Kimberly, can you just repeat it? <laughs> you partner with organizations. You don't just send them money. Uh, that's true. I mean, we uh, absolutely, uh, when we get involved with a particular uh, group, we certainly put a lot of work into uh, deciding what particular um, organization we want to work with. We actually talk to some of the land trusts about other land trusts, ones that we're working with, we sometimes say, could you recommend somebody in a certain area for us? Um, and so we do our due diligence there. Uh, we also, uh, as I mentioned, we talk to a number of the, um, we look at the ecologists and we uh, ask the particular land trusts what their particular priorities are and what they want to discuss. So quite often they'll come with a list of properties um, that they would uh, like us to, um, to look at and we might will show an interest in, in particular properties for a particular reason. Um, so that's how we really begin to get started with the various land trusts. And um, so far, I must say that all of our partnerships across Canada have really been excellent. You know what? It's um, because environmental organizations get less than 3% of the money donated to charity, uh, I think it's just extraordinary to have somebody who has created this platform to really raise the bar in that area and let folks know that there's, there's important work to do and, and you really make it a priority to bring other folks to the table to accomplish this work. And, and that, it, that is something that uh, is, I think, a, rare. I'd love to hear anybody listening who has other examples of philanthropists who take that responsibility so seriously, but um, it's a real gift to country and to nature. Well, you know, our, our slogan is investing in Canada, investing in nature. And the term investment means so much more to us uh, than just philanthropy. And so I think that uh, you, we, ex we expect dividends on that investment. Mm -hmm. and, and those dividends aren't things that are necessarily tangible, whatever, but we expect the land to be treated respectfully in perpetuity, whatever that means. But anyway, hopefully for at least a, a number of generations. And uh, so investment for us is, is really the key word. So it, we don't feel that we're doing it for nothing. We, we want the return somehow to not to us of course but for for the nation and 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 for the future that's what we're looking for that's such a great great point 
Can you uh, tell us about a time when nature took your breath away? Um, well, I just see Jan is coming here with a cup of coffee for me. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> Hi, Jan. Nice to see you. <laughs> anyway, at a time when nature, well, it always takes, always takes my breath away. Know, but I'm just challenging you to think of a moment. I think that I remember, uh, you know, think of a moment. Um, you know, I can think of so many examples around this beautiful planet that we have, um, just those very, uh, very interesting places. You know, Africa with the the, the animals. I, I think the first time I saw an elephant, I cried. I mean, it was in the wild, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but certainly within our, our own nation, I would say that um, having especially hiked in the Rocky Mountains when I was much younger, uh, that was backpacking and just being very, very remote areas uh, really was spectacular. I suppose the most recent example was when we were on the, the first river, which is the river in the Yukon, um, starts off in a, very close to Alaska and goes uh, into the Beaufort Sea, into the Arctic Ocean. We were on that river for two weeks. And I remember the first morning waking up and out of the tent and there was a herd of musk oxen. <laughs> Oh right my there and and oh. that was like oh my goodness and wow. was, oh my I wonder God. if the charity planned that for you <laughs> oh no it wasn't a charity that was just a an adventure that we took but I remember oh, okay. that wasn't a particular that was with Parks Canada though that we went there to do Ivivik Natural Park but it was a funny thing was I mean that was the first day and I thought well every day is going to we're going to have a herd of grizzly bears or something like that. and we didn't anything well we did we saw one grizzly bear in the distance and a few caribou in the distance you know but uh, that was sort of the 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 one event oh and the other event on that trip was a a um, one day in the morning waking up there was a mother uh, caribou floating down the rapids that we had camped beside um, with her baby and it was taking one's breath away you saw the mother catching her footing and the baby's still continuing to go on. And uh, then the baby got its footing and somehow got up too. But that was wow. pretty scary, waiting for mother and child to, to be reunited. It's nice to think back on moments like that when we're living the way we are right now. Um, a very small portion of the, of the sector works for environmental organizations, but uh, everybody learns in a in a textbook about how to work with uh, donors like you and Jan. What three pieces and 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 my relationship with you and my relationship with other donors hasn't fit into any textbooks. It's all like there's just no you can, so there's book learning and then there's the reality of the relationship, right? Um, so I'm curious about what you would tell a newer fundraiser who's just starting to work in this space with large amounts of money and affluent individuals. Um, what do you think they need to know? Oh, that every donor is different, I think. Um, you know, I, I've met some other donors who, who've made large donations in this area. I think, it, it, you know, being a fundraiser also, I would think being like a good salesperson, the first thing is getting to know your customer and what makes them tick. 
So I think if you're looking for, if you look at donations with, with larger donors um, or individuals that could bring you a large donation, I would think you should really try to find out what motivates them and not try to move them in a different direction. And for some of them, it'll be a large piece of property that they own and it's very important to them and close to their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a matter of, of, of finding that out and knowing how to work through that and be able to bring I and mean, help them understand the issues um, and, and uh, why um, you know, they should be making that particular donation and, and uh, how well the property will be cared for and help them understand what the benefits would be for that particular property. Um, for people like us that have a more you know, general um, thinking about how to donate, I would say that um, how to donate our, 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 our funds to a particular project, I would say people should come prepared, come prepared with, uh, with the property, come prepared with a good value and understanding of the property, uh, good, um, good numbers with regards to what it's going to cost to, to, to uh, uh, protect a particular uh, piece of land, um, you know, what the total costs are, what all the additional uh, items that they have to, and really come prepared from a financial standpoint as to what the need is. Um, and to also come prepared with regard to what the, uh, uh, you know, where the money will go and what, what the real plan is for the future as well. And also to bring examples from the organization where it is, where it plans to be. I think it's really important to have a good idea about the organization itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another thing too, that I think sometimes people come to large donors maybe on their own. I think it would be helpful at times when a particular organization, uh, when the individual, the fundraiser comes, that they bring a board member or they bring the CEO or they bring one other person with them because that lends a lot of credibility to an organization uh, when you see that there's, you know, not just one person who has the passion, but especially another board member who maybe isn't involved in all the daily activities, but when you can see their passion, see their understanding of the organization, that certainly adds a lot of credibility. You're great in those meetings, by the way. You're so, well, we visited some donors together and uh, oh, you're yes. really <laughs> great. You're so great at that. And you say you don't know how to fundraise, but you absolutely do. Oh my goodness! I don't like to ask people for money, but I, I don't. What they ask me? That's, that's not. That's not what it's about, though. You just said all that other stuff, right? It's, <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! So, you um, you stepped out here and you shared all your secrets from Maple Cross and. <laughs> And uh oh, now now there may be a whole bunch. You may you may have a flood of charities to go. Oh, we go need to go talk to Maple Cross because she just did this podcast. Um, so I want to give you an opportunity to address that. And um, what are your goals for Maple Cross? And which calls would you welcome? And how might people get in touch with you if they want to? And who should not bother? Well, I certainly 
you know, we've we're very clear in in that in that we are investing in those land trusts and land conservancies that whose mission it is is to protect nature. We don't want to own land ourselves, but we want to support other people owning the land who know have the know-how and will protect it. And we've been quite clear about that. And so I think that uh, certainly any organization within Canada that is a charity and that has, um, whose mission is to, to protect uh, land and protect nature, we'd be very willing to, to have a chat with you. Um, I think there are other organizations that have a, a, a wilderness uh, protection aspect might be due to maybe something with animals or or something like that we we, we would certainly entertain uh discussion there as well um and you know we have we also provide funding to you know certain local groups that you know we believe that's important to do that as well um but i would say that the the, the main impetus impetus is to to support those those land trusts or uh, land conservancies, nature trust, whatever, um, mm -hmm. to to protect land. That's where the main impetus is. And you define land. You you define protecting land by securing it, and having having an environmental organization actually own it. Because there are lots of ways to say that advocacy, for example, in theory, protects land as well. There are mm -hmm. lots of different ways to protect land, but you're very narrow in the scope of what that means to you. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're talking about, uh, I mean, we want to know the specific land that is being protected. So an advocacy group would have a, a you know, would, would be, um, has a particular mandate, but it's not necessarily to protect a particular piece of land. Right. Um, we like to see the money being focused in a certain direction. And, and um, you know, it doesn't mean to say that it would never happen, but it would be rare that it would, would mm -hmm. happen. There may be a certain situation that right. would uh, make that possible. But, We're um, all a work in progress, right? And, yeah. and it's all important work to be made. But, yeah. there are, but to your point earlier about doing your research and finding out what the interests of the donors are is paramount to having to starting this conversation, right? Yeah. And it's not always easy to find that out. I mean, but, you know. Yeah. Finding them for a coffee or something is such a bad idea. <laughs> you don't mind that. That info Maple Cross email on your website is is something that um, that gets in front of you. So you are you are one of the more accessible philanthropists that I've met, and I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. Is there anything else you think that we should chat about, or that you were hoping to talk about today? No, I think that's about it. Um, again, I think probably the emphasis on this great country that, that we've been endowed with mm -hmm. and uh, just that we need to, in my opinion, uh, cherish it and recognize that although we have been given a lot in Canada, we can easily lose it. And there are a lot of other wonderful nature places around the world that, that really have are losing the battle. We still have a chance here and it's really our responsibility to take that on. Thank you. That's a nice uh, ending for a hopeful future and that there is progress that we can, we can win this. We can do this. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Isabel, it's so nice to see you again. <laughs>
Well, likewise, Kimberly. <laughs> we have to have our real uh, live lunch. Yeah, one yeah. Of these as days, soon as so. we can. As soon as we yeah. can. Thank you so yeah. much for spending time with us today. You're very welcome. My pleasure. It was such a treat for me to reconnect with one of my favorite philanthropists. Thank you so much, Isabel, for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the Maple Cross Fund and the excellent work they have enabled, please visit maplecross.ca. And remember, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast so that we can keep learning, growing, and connecting together. See you next time.